from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. There are so many scenarios, Chiefs Kingdom, about how this draft could go for your franchise that I need some help. It's going to be a great show. We are jam-packed today with Matt Derrick joining me here in a little bit to talk about what the trade possibilities are, especially given the way that the tackle group seems to be falling and what Brett Veach has already kind of told us that we might not have picked up on the first time. Then the big question that I have is, how do these coaching staff changes affect what's going to go on in 2021? We're going to get into all of that coming up here in just a minute. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and your host at RGR Football. Rogue Analytics is where you can find the athletic matrix. It is the evolution of spark and athleticism measurements, how you apply it to the field functionally, and you need to see it if you are a draft nick like me. I'll also have my draft guide out coming up here very shortly, so check that out all at Rogue APC. And if you do, you can get a couple dollars off by using the code Matrix L O N. Before we get into that conversation, we do go on a little bit, so I'm going to keep this pretty short. Uh, some interesting news about what the league is doing here as we get ready um, to try and push towards what the offseason is going to look like. We now have a couple of developments that both the Broncos and the Seahawks players have decided they are not going to attend the voluntary offseason activities, whether that's OTAs or rookie minicamp or whatever it happens to be. It is significant that it's multiple franchises now, and I do think that uh, the league eventually that will come together as the NFLPA helps um, the players kind of navigate this space. The league has been uh, making some statements about you know, really trying to encourage vaccination. It looks like there's going to be some process revolving around that as we look towards the season. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to how much can you get done safely? I do think there will be some off-season activities. It just might not look like it always does. I think there's going to have to be a mandatory minicamp towards the end of the summer uh, before everybody goes away in order to get ready for training camp. And that is a vital part. And I think if there's one thing that needs to be done, it is likely going to be that. Uh, we will have more on it when that comes up. But the, the Chiefs have an interesting wrinkle. And this comes from Jason over at Over the Cap. And this is a significant piece. It's not, you know, over the top money that you could never conceive of otherwise. But of the teams in the NFL, the teams that have the most workout bonuses, meaning specifically these off-season activities, are the Bills at number one and the Chiefs at number two. So there is a number of payouts that will not be coming uh, if the Chiefs or the NFLPA as, as a whole decides not to participate in these off-season activities. And while that puts a little bit of a, of a bind in some players' pockets, especially those that are lower down on the depth charts, Certainly Patrick Mahomes or anybody else with a workout bonus isn't going to be hurt if they're you know, one of the top 10 salaries on here. But it does make a little bit of a, of a crease in the pocketbooks of some of the people, uh, the guys that are lower down on the, on the depth chart. It does save the organization some money as well. They can go into operations or other things um, around the stadium. And I think that's probably where it's most likely to go back into. But it is an interesting and not insignificant thing that we, you know, should keep in the back of our minds. Just how many players on these particular contracts that they have right now are getting paid workout bonuses. Now, I might get into more of this. I'm going to be appearing on uh, 810 Sports with Josh Briscoe here on Thursday night. Don't miss that. Uh, I believe that's going to be 8 p.m. in Kansas City. So check that out. 
Curtis will be back with me later tomorrow. And we have to get into these topics about what the trade possibilities are, not for players, but for picks in this draft. And we're going to get with Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com coming up next. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. And we recognize it's been hard to keep up with the brackets and all the new flavors, but let's remember, when it all comes said and done, there are a couple things that really stand out, like cookies and cream with 17 grams of protein at 130 calories, or almond coconut, which is one of my favorites still. And you can get a serious discount over at BuiltBar.com by using the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 50% off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the Chiefs, but what about the rest of the league? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by Peter Bukowski, and it's all about sports, all you need, all the news, every morning, and it's under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Chiefs fans, we are one week closer to the NFL draft and you having brand new Kansas City Chiefs to root for. And uh, Matt Derrick's going to tell you exactly why that's a good thing. How are you, Matt? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, Ryan. How about yourself? I, at this point in the offseason, I'm just happy to be awake. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost there, right? I, I can, it's within reach. There. Oh, uh, the Matrix is out, folks. If you want to check that out, hit rogueapc.com and uh, the draft guide will be out very shortly as well. And then I can get some sleep. But in the meantime, I've been going over all of this and it starts to sink in as we progress, just how unique a position this is to have so many uh, spots to fill that could be starter material on a roster that was just in back-to-back Super Bowls. And I want to revisit as we take a step back here as in the pre-draft process, where do you feel the value has to be for this team? Is it about performance? Is it about the elite or is it about the volume of filling those holes? Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting question because, you know, I mean, other than I think, I feel like that unless something drastically changes, the chiefs need to come out with a left tackle and their first round pick. I mean, that's just how I, I, I think it stacks up. Mm-hmm. But after that, I mean, this team has, some positions to fill and they've got some things to fill certainly for the future, but I don't think that they've painted themselves in a corner where they have to go to a specific need at any point in the draft. I think they'd be feel really good if they came out with an edge rusher that they like, um, maybe some more, another interior lineman, a wide receiver, uh, a linebacker. I mean, I think there's a lot of different positions that they could go, but I don't think that they've painted themselves in a position where they have to go against their board. I think they can trust that and stick with the plan and just stick with the best available players. Because you're right. I mean, there's a lot of places you could say the Chiefs could use, certainly use some upgrades and some positions where young guys can come in and play immediately. But I don't get the sense from Brett Veach that, you know, in the, the limited time we've had with him so far this offseason, that with college football the way that it was in 2020, 2021-ish, that maybe it's going to be expected that there's going to be some young guys that can step in and play immediately. So you are kind of looking towards future needs and really looking at the big picture. And so I think that when we sit back and look at the chiefs draft, I mean, I think that's where we will probably see is that, Hey, yeah, there's a left tackle. that heads the class. But after that, the chiefs probably address some long-term needs that are going to fit with the five-year plan, not 
putting five years in the Brad Veach's mouth, uh, <laughs> but just, you know, fill in the future holes. I mean, and, and fitting in and filling in with what they need for this season. The interesting thing that you said in the beginning of that was the edge position, because I feel like the addition of Reed has really changed the complexity. And for me, it went from being, hey, it would be good to have somebody you need to get a book in and that kind of thing. But now I, I it's kind of twisted for me because I look at it as, hold on, you have three potential, like Pro Bowl, maybe not all Pro level, but Pro Bowl level players. If you can get anybody that's even close to that to be the fourth, to be the four-man front that Spags wants, it feels like now that's that should be more of a priority because it's within reach of having a potentially dominant unit in that front you know, on the defense. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I mean, and that's, let's face it. I mean, that fits with what Steve Spagnuolo wants to do. I mean, you know, and, and with the Steve Spagnuolo defense, so much of it starts up front. You've got to be able to have a dominant front four. And, and that's what she's trying to do. I mean, and that's why we say that, you know, you look at this and say, hey, they'd love to come out with another edge rusher in this year's draft, not just for the future, because you've got to be prepared for, you know, whatever's going to happen with Frank Clark in the future. Um, you don't really have that companion edge, pure edge rusher anyway, much less that they're apparent to Frank Clark there. So that in itself makes sense. But then, yeah, the idea that you could have a front four of Clark, Jones, Reed, and another strong edge rusher. And maybe that's Mike Dana. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's somebody else. And maybe it's somebody in this year's draft. But the idea that, you know, yeah, you have those four and then you have incredible depth off the bench. I mean, that's what the Chiefs want. I mean, that's how their defense under Steve Spagnuolo is going to be built is with a strong front four that gets after the quarterback that makes it easier to get role players to fill in at every other spot behind them. It almost feels to me kind of like the wide receiver position does that it's you're you're building, you know, refortifying strength of strength to make that just something that's a little bit more insurmountable, especially for the teams in this division. Do you think that that needs to be more of a priority or is it just if that's if that's allowed to happen in the way that the draft falls, that that's the way that it happens? Or are we thinking about another Breland speak situation? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't think the Chiefs feel like that they are forced to go out and get a receiver or if you're talking about specifically in the defensive line, as you were talking, I know you're either. I, I was, I was getting confused there. So pardon me. <laughs> I'm but always frankly, confused. But frankly, I mean, I think they're both very similar situations because yeah, the chiefs are pretty pleased with their front end pass catchers. They're pretty pleased with their front end defensive line. But to me, those are the two needs that are two a and two B in this year's draft. Because those are the two position groups that the Chiefs want to double down with every year. I mean, they want to have a dominant defensive line. They want to have a dominant pass catching group because they feel like that's the best way to maximize Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Now we're, they're, they're understanding that maybe they need to pay a little bit more attention to the offensive line and double down a little bit there too. But as long as, you know, Andy Reid's running this offense, Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, Steve Spagnolo is the defensive co- the coordinator. Uh, you're always going to see the Chiefs try and load up on a defensive line and a receiving core for Mahomes. And that said, if they are able to get to that that dominance portion on the defensive line, Reed isn't exactly a guy that fits Spag's mold. You know, he still likes the length, even when he brings guys, um, you know, reduces them down onto the inside. But I think that he's a little bit unique in that. I think he can bust up doubles and penetrate gaps enough to make that uh you know not his classic but something spags can use yeah and that's what i you know really see i think with the read edition i think you've nailed it about what they're hoping that he can do 
is that Reed's the kind of guy that can free up Chris Jones and Frank Clark more to make plays. Because I, I think you saw last year, to me, I felt like a lot of the defense or the, the offensive attack plans against the Chiefs were let's double team Chris Jones and let's target Frank Clark. And with the idea that if we can get Frank Clark out of position, we can force him, drop him back more. We can run straight at him. We can kind of mitigate Frank Clark a little bit there by forcing him to do things that he doesn't want to do or forcing him out of his comfort zone. That's how they attack the Chiefs. If you get a guy like Reed now, I think it's more difficult to do that. I mean, I think it's more difficult to just isolate Chris Jones with the double teams. I think it's more difficult now to just specifically target Frank Clark and try and get him off the line and slow him down. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think they're going to, the teams are going to have to attack the Chiefs differently. And I mean, I think that that's what they're trying to do is I think they're trying to make the defensive front a little bit more multidimensional and make other teams work for it a little bit more. Uh, to do that, it certainly is going to take a, a specific volume of coaching, especially if it's a rookie that ends up in that fourth spot. And so um, I think we need to get into who's going to be coaching where and when and what that means for this next evolution of this staff. We're going to get into that next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are going to be back in full swing. And Bet Online even covers award shows, reality TV, all kinds of stuff. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The promo code's locked on for Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. So we heard a couple weeks ago, I don't think we had a chance to go over it, but this last week of putting all this attention for me into the edges of the DTs, like it brings me back to this is something where this is why Brennan Daly's here because of what he was able to do with taking disparate skills on the defensive line in New England and making them work as a unit. And one of these guys is likely, I think, to be either um, a designated pass rusher in Taco Charlton or a rookie pass rusher is my guess. And I feel like it's a big advantage, but how do you feel in terms of like he's been here, what, two seasons, and now he's got to really step it up as a coach to get the most out of these pro bowlers with a young kid as well? Yeah, I don't think there I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, the the Chiefs are putting a lot on the line with the the defensive coaching and especially up front. And and to me, I mean, I think it's because they expect that, you know, Brendan Daly can handle a lot that Mm -hmm. this is a group that. You know, that if they really feel like that he can develop guys in in both ways, that one, he can take raw talent, find what it does best and get them doing it, but that he can also take veterans, give them maybe the one thing that they need to get better and and improve them that way. Now, we're going to see that. I mean, this year we talked with Charlton. I mean, I think we're going to see that tested, you know, as far as, you know, how Spagnolo and Daly can get the most out of defensive line guys and and maybe tap into some talent. So I think that's going to be key. And, and, you know, honestly, I mean, I, I think Mike Dana might end up being a little bit more key this year than even if they do have a high draft pick coming in, because I'm, I'm still of the philosophy that it's going to be really tough for rookies this year coming in to make a big impact. And, and I think that also, I mean, you know, I know Brett Veach is even concerned about just how accurate the scouting is on these guys that you might be getting 
you know, guys in the third round that, you know what, if they had more film, they had more, you know, in-person experience with them, maybe they'd be a seventh round guy. And there's going to be some undrafted players like Tershawn Wharton last year mm-hmm. that might be able to actually step in and play for you right now. I mean, there's just going to be that kind of dichotomy. That's where coaching is going to be a big part of it. And, you know, and that's where I, th- I think that the Chiefs feel like they're in pretty good shape because, you know, not only do we have, you know, them coming, having some guys back with some key experience, but they've got some newcomers on the staff that I think are going to be pretty key, too. And who stands out to you in that way, the newcomers? You know, the one that's most ex- interesting to me that I was uh, surprised to see on the list of guys coming in was Ken Flagel, because, mm-hmm. you know, he's coming in as the outside linebackers coach, which for a guy with Flagel's resume <laughs> seems right. really, you know, understated. I'm, I'll be surprised if the only thing that Ken Flagel has his hands on is outside linebackers, um, because this is guy's been around with Steve Spagnuolo for a long time. Mm-hmm. He was his defensive coordinator in St. Louis. Um, you know, to have a guy with that resume and that stature coming in, to, like I said, to coach outside linebackers seems to me, yeah, all, all both of them. <laughs> that's the guy that I'm looking at and seeing, you know what? I think that guy is going to probably have a hand in everything. You know, maybe that means, you know, helping out with edge rushers too. Mm-hmm. Um, since, eh, you know what? Edge rushers, outside linebackers, kind of the same thing. So I could see him bouncing around quite a bit. That one I, I thought was pretty intriguing. Well, I, I that was exactly where I was going too because uh, as I understood it, like the ink was nearly dry on the retirement paperwork, and he kind of had to be cajoled to come back out, and that I think is probably the lure of hey, yeah, you're going to deal with these two OLBs, but you're going to have to sprinkle things in everywhere. I personally take that as a good thing, an over the top, as almost like a a sub coordinator position, really, um, to really help with everyone. I think it's really interesting, especially when you look at. Jamin Davis is a draft prospect that I actually like for the Chiefs in the second round. I'm not sure he'll be there when they select, but uh, I think it is a possibility. And that connection with Matt House, that would seem to be something that uh, comes on pretty strongly. And then that allows, I think, the differentiation to to let the coaching staff kind of drift because there is that rapport already. I would think that that makes things quicker for someone like Davis to adapt to this game. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, the more and more I think about, you know, Flagel's addition to the staff, to me, it almost screams to me that maybe the Chiefs are looking at that linebacker spot and, and that edge rusher spot because Flagel's the kind of guy that, you know what, could just be kind of that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like when Mike Kafka came onto the staff. Mike Kafka, you know, his first year with Mahomes was the first year. And Mike Kafka's only job was to just follow around Patrick Mahomes and coach him. This could be the same kind of thing, you know, that maybe maybe Flagel's in addition to the staff that they feel like that there's somebody that they're going to be able to get their hands on that he can work with directly and, you know, be kind of that one man coaching staff. So a guy like that could fit in. And, and I kind of like that from a concept of, of putting somebody specifically in, in one of your areas of weakness and your off ball linebackers that you sometimes want to walk up and get pressure with. But sometimes you need to have them drop. I would love to see him work with edge rushers as well. But the one thing that does stand out to me about the changes on the staff as well is that there are no changes in the secondary. And I think that that says that they're very comfortable with these two coaches in Madison and Merritt bringing up this, this, I mean, it's, it's a daycare center half the time. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the corner position is like all five-year-olds at this point. It's, it's a young group and it's going to continue to be young. I mean, they're going to continue to get some, 
young talent into that group. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, Sam Medicine, Dave Merritt just seem like that they're they're both just going to be strong coaches for the future. I mean, I imagine both of them will end up being coordinators one day. Um, you know, Matt House is certainly, I think they feel like is not long for this team. I think he's going to be a coordinator either at the college level or NFL level pretty soon. Um, but that entire, yeah, that entire defensive coaching staff, they feel like they've got a lot of faith in that core group and, and yeah, they're putting a lot in, into both Madison and Merritt. And, and I, I think both those guys, at least so far, I mean, I think they've gotten everything that the chiefs have wanted out of that secondary group. I think it helps when you have Tyron Matthew back there as well. So more power. That too. helps too. <laughs> the, one that, the one that stand out the most to me on offense. Um, and it's not the one that everyone's going to, there was a hubbub about, um, you know, why are you going to coach running backs when you're a wide receiver? And that's all you've ever done. The more interesting thing for me is that Jay Blameyer, the guy who's been doing all the film study is now going to work with those receivers. The guys that maybe are living off of raw talent and maybe not progressing as much as we would have liked to, the perspective of having done all the film and worked with Mahomes and that kind of thing, what does that do for the wide receiver room? You know, I, I think this is really interesting, and I could be completely off base. You know, when we get to talk to Andy Reid about these changes next week, maybe he's going to pour a cold water on and this and just completely poo-poo me here. But I think these two moves in, the, in particular, with Greg Lewis going to running backs, is interesting. One you know, I, I think that it's probably a good thing for Greg Lewis for his career because he wants to be a coordinator one day. Mm-hmm. And the best way for him to get there is to get some diversity of experience. So that's great. The other part of it, too, is that his going into the running back room can make that room a better pass catching group. You know, he can coach them up as far as being receivers go and receivers out of the backfield or even splitting out and doing some things. The thing to think about Blameyer taking over that spot is because you've hit it. I mean, He's been their film guy. I mean, he's he's been the one that, you know, honestly probably deserves a whole lot more credit um, for some of the crazy stuff that the Chiefs have done in recent years. Because I'm pretty sure that he's the one that put the Rose Bowl parade film in front of Andy Reid to watch. Uh. So, you know, he's the one that comes up with some of these film, these tapes to put in front of Andy Reid and say, you know what? Hey, somebody doing something pretty crazy here, coach. You got to see. But I think it's also a recognition and an evolution of the receiving position in the NFL that there's almost nothing that I think a true receivers coach in the NFL can really do with a receivers group as far as the technical aspects. You don't get their, your hands on them as much enough anymore. It, because, And I think that Tyreek Hill is an excellent example of this. If you don't show up at OTAs and training camp with new skills and new abilities develop from your off-season work. Greg Lewis, no receivers coach in the league, has time to teach ten guys that they've got during OTAs and off-seasons how to how to be technical at their at their job. They can't teach them the technical skills. They can't teach them the hip movement. They can't teach them all the same thing. Because and, and the other part of it is that not all receivers are the same. So to me, I mean, Joe Blaymer coming in, it's like, okay, how can how can our coaching staff give these receivers something that they need? And that's going to be maybe breaking down their own film, breaking down the film of the opposition that they're up against to see what the weaknesses are. Because once again, if you're a receiver in this league and you are not using an outside coach during the offseason to develop your game, you are going to be a crappy receiver in this league. I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, I get it. <laughs> I'll um, say it. I'll say it. <laughs> and last thing, and this is just a sidestep because you set me up for this. Um, I always say J. Dot because that's how I see the back of his jersey still for some reason instead of Joe. Um, 
But the interesting thing for me, the thing that I've been concerned about in the development specifically of McCole Hardman and a little bit of Demarcus Robinson is sight adjustments and having the film aspect and the quarterback perspective. I feel like this is something that Joe Blamer can really make an impact on, and I'm hopeful that that's the way that it goes. Am I just out in left field? No, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking the same way. I mean, I think that's the biggest, you know, maybe a tool that Joe Blaymeyer can give those guys because, you know, like I said, I mean, and, and I'll, I'll be, I'll go further. I mean, I will say that this is kind of a, a you know, maybe it is a call out to McCole Hardman's and DeMarcus Robinson of the world that if you're not getting better as a receiver between March and July on your own, there's nothing that an NFL receivers coach is going to do to be able to help you. But, you know, but and that's why, I mean, I think it's so important that now that maybe the Chiefs do have a guy that from a film study standpoint can help these guys with their adjustments, with understanding coverages, recognizing things faster against the opposition, getting up to speed on that better, because I think that's I think that's the future of the NFL. I mean, I think that's, you know, especially with, you know, the amount of time that these NFL coaches get with their hands on these players. I think that's the only thing that they can do to make them better receivers at this point. It is the future of the NFL and it is the future for this team, folks. Make sure that you check everything out at ChiefsDigest.com. Thanks for the time, Matt. As always, Ryan. Thanks a lot. And thank you for listening. We will be back with you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.